I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, how's it going? Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. My guest today is fellow podcaster Chris Sutton. He has a fantastic podcast called Mental Conversations. In this episode, we talk about all things to do with mental health, well-being, family, and how to overcome life challenges by simply just taking that first step. We recorded this episode over the internet, so it sounds a little bit different than it usually does. However, I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. My name is Tim Bosworth, and this is The Kindness Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Kindness Podcast. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in serendipity and um, people coming to our lives for a reason. Uh, my next guest was recommended to me by a good friend of mine, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad that he was. He's currently and has been for a number of years the uh, Leadership Partnerships Manager for Leeds City Council. And uh, I want to sort of dive into that and find a little bit more about uh, what that actually entails. Um, also, uh, currently um, the host of, and I would say, a incredibly popular and, and aspirational from my point of view in terms of the number of podcasts he's actually um, had, 214 to date, and perhaps you can confirm that for me, uh, a, pod- a podcast called Mel- Mental Conversations. Uh, and by his own admission, uh, it's a podcast that takes a refreshingly funny look at aspects of mental health that can improve your own well-being. Uh, Chris Sutton, welcome to the Kindness Podcast. Wow, nice intro, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. No, it's, it's a pleasure, buddy. And um, I, again, I, I did reach out to you um, to get a sense of, I suppose, um, what are mental conversations from your perspective and how did it come about? So, yeah, so my... <laughs> wow, it's, um, it's not a short answer, if that's all right. <laughs> It's, sure, um, sure. It, 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 essentially, I um, have had like some some mental health needs for um, for you know pretty much my whole life in terms of living with anxiety, and um, 
it, it's quite funny now. Now I've kind of come out the other side in terms of how difficult my life used to be with anxiety. Um, it's quite a refreshing way of looking at it, of being able to look at it and reflect on things um, and try and associate back into some of the feelings I used to have. Um, and I'll still, I'd still say I like have anxiety um, that I deal with a lot of the time. But mental conversations came about because um, I went through a period of depression. Um, I went through a period of actually um, maybe even like making plans on how to end my own life, and it got pretty um, pretty dark. Um, but you know, it's a good it's a good news story. At the end of the day, this one um, because I um, I essentially decided to stay. Um, and I don't say that flippantly, but I remember very clearly looking at my, I think she was either one or two year old daughter and thinking, I don't want this little girl to not have a dad. And I don't want her every time she sees the word dad or hears the word dad to associate that with, well, my dad took his own life and I don't know why. And, you know, was it my fault or anything like that? So I, so I basically, like I say, I decided to stick around and, um, thought about I thought what if I'm going to do that I'm going to do things differently um from the way I was living my life before and I've been on this kind of path since of trying lots of different aspects of um interventions I suppose you'd say um of how to build up my resilience how to be a happier person how to um be a better person and one of those things was um talking about it um, and I, I helped to establish something called the, the Healthy Minds Peer-to-Peer -peer Support Network um, at Leeds City Council that you just mentioned, which is where, I, which is where my day job is. And um, it absolutely, it just flew from day one. There were like six of us, seven of us around a table on the first time we met. And um, within six months, we had a session of 40 people coming every, um, every month. And then six months later, there were 80 people. So we were running two sessions. And then a year later, it was three sessions. Um, and then we started, they actually developed it or allowed me to, to develop it into being a staff network rather than a peer-to-peer -peer support group. And now I've stepped away from that, actually, um, from that role as chairing that group. But it, um, but it now has a life of its own and some wonderful other people that are running it. And... Um, and they do stuff all over the council for like the 14 or 15,000 people that work there. Um, and I'm really, really proud of that. And what, but what I actually thought, and in answering your question, um, this was kind of the way I was trying to change my mindset. I thought, well, actually, if I can help that many people, you know, these 40 people coming or 80 people coming or 120 people coming, why not help the whole world? <laughs> like, so, you know, aim big. Um, so I, I listen to podcasts and um, I'm a bit of a silly person. I like I like um, making people laugh. Um, and I thought, well, you know, quite often if I listen to a podcast about mental health, it can be really boring and really dull and quite depressing. So without, again, without being flippant about it, I thought, well, I'm going to try and put the fun into depression. Um, and I started up mental conversations, just me, a friend and my crappy phone um recording just like um in an office space um and just talking about different aspects of mental health and then i started being introduced to people who'd heard about it started reaching out to a couple of people but more often than not people started reaching out to me and like as you mentioned you know over 200 episodes later now um there's you know quite a solid 
um, base of people that listen to it. Um, and it's, if, if anything, it benefits me learning something from these amazing people that come and talk to me. Um, but then also, you know, obviously I do hear people reach out to me and say, I listen every week and it's your part of my life now. <laughs> you know, it's quite um, amazing and nerve wracking, actually, to be seen as someone who might be able to help other people like that. Long answer, uh, but... Um, well, no, yeah. it's interesting. And it always piques my interest in terms of people's backstory. And you, you touched on the earlier on challenges that you had with mental health and you, you alluded to the fact that you questioned whether or not you should take your own life. What, looking back now, was the trigger? For, for wanting to take my own life? Correct, yeah, yeah. Or, wow. Um, do you know, it was so many things. And again, I, I keep saying that word flippant. It's not flippant. Um, it's... It was a really, really challenging time. I couldn't see a way out. I felt like I was in agony all the time, physical pain. And I couldn't see at all that there was any way out. And I thought, well, actually, the only escape hatch I can see here is ending life. And, you know, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't a particular thing. It was more... When I look at it now, in all honesty, and no one's asked me that question for a long, long time, if I'm honest, Tim, but like, it was the way I processed the world is the actual answer. So no matter how, no matter what was coming through my filters, no matter how positive, I would always be able to turn it into shit, you know? And, and I think when people, so I would say that my depression, it wasn't a clinical thing, it wasn't a medical thing. It was situational. It was the way that I, through whatever reasons, my the way I grew up and the way I processed things and the patterns that I would run in my brain every time a conversation was had or I'd see people talking, I'd think they were talking about me or um, then yeah, I could, yeah, I could turn pretty much anything into a negative. And there's things, you know, I, I look back at my childhood now, like later teenage years, for example, and I remember being, just as one story, I remember being in the um, sixth form at school and everyone being in the common room, sixth form common room. But I used to just stand by my locker every lunchtime and every break time because I was too scared to go into the sixth form, into the common room. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I don't know, you know, I wasn't scared of being beaten up or there was no one bullying me or anything. I just was like, I don't want to go in there for fear of the unknown. And what gets piled on top of that is then the shame that you feel that you're not able to fit in the same way as everyone else. So, you know, there was a lot of other things going on that, um, that, have, that contributed a lot of other factors in life. But, but basically the way that we process things and the patterns that we run when we hear a sentence or when we walk into a certain room or a certain environment, mine were all, wrongly wired if you like and i've done a lot of work in rewiring that um and and trying to see things differently and the amount of things that i've learned the amount of things that i've learned from some amazing people um it, it, it's given me such hope to like be able to help others um and you know your podcast being being around kindness 
that's it's such a kind of catalyst for positivity in yourself is actually being kind to others as well as yourself um mm. so yeah again a garbled answer but just that's what i'd say is i think we need to interrupt our patterns sometimes that we're running um and that's the way we can get out of some kind of funk into some into something better and that the interruption of those patterns for you did that come about through self-questioning or was that through external variables like someone else saying come on chris pull yourself together you know how did it come how did it come out for you so for me i i had um the one of the biggest catalysts for me was was looking at was was a, a psychotherapist um in leeds um who i referred to as the demon slayer um she said to me <laughs> um she said to me tell me what your problem is and i and i can't i couldn't tell you now what i said but i know i talked for about half an hour <laughs> and she said to me she was half iranian half swedish this lady and she said to me chris you i'm not going to try the accent but she said uh, chris you have lots of demons and i said yeah and she went it's okay i'm the demon slayer and i remember saying that to her about six months later and she was like i never said that and i was like i couldn't make that up if i tried so now when i do presentations like if i talk if i'm talking about mental health i have this picture of a demon slayer who is like this leather clad <laughs> like goddess which is not what layla looked like but but that's what i try that's the image i portray to people um mm. And actually, speak, speaking to her, she talked to me about um, something called transactional analysis and the way that we interact with other people. And I realized that I spent so much of my time in like a child mode where I would look to people around me, you know, male, female, old, young. I'd always look to, for other people to lead me. I'd always look for other people's opinions and I'd latch on to them rather than being brave enough to have any of my own opinions. Mm -hmm. um and she taught me to she coached me essentially so it came from within in the end and she coached me to the answers which were okay i need to start pushing some boundaries here and trying to put my own views out into the world and amazingly bad stuff didn't happen <laughs> you know like mm, yes. sometimes you don't sometimes people aren't happy with what you say but that's fine you know they don't you don't have to be um and i heard this I heard this wonderful expression on a podcast I did the other the other day, um, where a, a guest that I had on said, "If you're a people pleaser, um, she goes, you know, and you're trying to be everyone's cup of tea, you end up being a mug." <laughs> I was like, "I love that." <laughs> you know, it's mm. kind of like, yeah, you can't do that. You just you have to at least some some of the time be yourself, um, or most of the time, and it's fine. You don't have to be in agreement with people all the time. And it's hard, I think, in the world that we live in. You know, everyone wants, well, from a psychology perspective and the idea of taking within social media, which I've touched on on, on on episodes before, this attention economy, everyone wants to be liked. Did you get a like? Did you get not get a like? Did you get a follow, et cetera, et cetera? So that dopamine kicking that we feed off becomes the norm. And when we don't get it, that's the fear of, hmm. as you said, the fear of, of missing out, if you like, the, the mofo, if you like. Um, I wanted to touch yeah. on uh, on your on your childhood, if you, if you don't mind. Um, we, do you have any siblings? Yes, I've, I'm the youngest of three, so I've got an older brother and an older sister. 
Yeah. Okay. Similar to my, my children, actually. So eldest daughter, then then two. How did you find being the the third and the third boy? Um. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I, I mean, I had like um, a really happy childhood, a really like supportive childhood, really loving parents. Still do. You know, like they do absolutely anything for me. Um. And I think you know they would they would definitely say that. Um, I was like a molly coddled a bit as a as a youngster, um, and but but essentially, you know, just a, a really supportive, happy childhood. Um, just all the usual kind of things with siblings. I think like my brother's like three, four years older than me. My sister two, three years. So yeah, it it was kind of the in terms of looking at what kind of a, where my mental health kind of um, came from or the issues that I had, you know, I've did, did a lot of soul searching and a lot, asked a lot of really difficult questions and, um, of my parents and like some upsetting things, which I'm really like regretful of and like, uh, have apologized to them. Um, cause I was like, well, where's this come from? You know, like I wasn't like blaming them, but I was like, where does this you come were asking from? Them. I'm broken. Yeah. I, well, I, I, cause I was asking them what's, you know, what do you think could have happened? Cause it was, you know, when I'd spoken to different therapists, they'd said, you know, sometimes there can be a catalyst for these things. Um, but I think that, like, anxiety, which is which is was, has always been my bugbear, can, you know, it can be something that you're born with, and it can be something that you um, you talk yourself into, mm-hmm. you know. And I think one of the one of the kind of problems for me was that I would always describe myself because i'd heard others describing me as a warrior so it became a personality it became part of my not even part of my personality it became who i am you know it became mm-hmm. part of my identity is i am a warrior um and so you know that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy then um so out of childhood that's the one thing that in terms of my mental health that i think could have gone better but I couldn't have I couldn't have wished for or you know or been in a more loving uh, family environment. In terms of your your study, what did you study? Um, so um, I studied I've so I A levels I've got like English, French, and theology, um, and but that was only because I liked the teacher, um, and then uh, I got a degree in tourism, um, so. Actually, in later, you know, way, way, way down the line into my, I'm like 45 now, but into my 30s, I wished I'd kind of looked more into psychology and how the mind works and how we process things. Because now I'm fascinated in that and I learn about things like that for, you know, for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but but um, not to say that I would necessarily have been any kind of therapist or look into, you know, I think it can be quite challenging on yourself um to do things like that but but it is it's such a fascination with the way that we process things that i wish i'd done something like that and you know as a host and i i'm sure you'll agree you're almost learning from every single guest that you get on the show and i wanted to know Mm. what was what have been one of one or two uh of the biggest learnings that you've you've uh you've had from any of your guests yeah i mean I mean, there's there's hundreds, absolutely hundreds of there's there's so many things, but the ultimately the biggest, the two biggest things, or one one of the biggest things I'd say, 
is the hardest pill to swallow is that to actually make a difference to your life you have to do it and it's and it might sound obvious but when you go to or when i went to a um, cbt therapist for example cognitive behavioral therapist they said to me you know this half an hour session or this 45 minute session is all very well but the real work has to be done between the sessions and i was like i remember being like disappointed because i was like oh, well no i'm paying money for this you're not going to fix me you know i remember really kind of like thinking that and then laughing at myself and being like well yeah but but i think the fact that i remember even having that thought process of of like actually yeah what you do is you go to therapy and you get fixed or you take some medication and that fixes you um that didn't happen for me you know what has happened for me is that through i've i see mental health as being a t or my mental health as being a team sport and i've surrounded myself with an amazing team of like dozens of people now who i will you know learn things from but it's up to me to implement it um so that was the number that's kind of like the number one thing the second thing i'd say is um you have to start and it there's that kind of analogy of you you know you can't you can't get to the stop of a top of a staircase without taking the first step mm. and we all want to but the first step is a really really and i know they say it's the hardest step and i don't want to say too many clichés because it's dull but you i don't know just for example one of the biggest things that's made a difference in my mental health is is exercise um and i didn't used to do any pretty much any exercise uh and then one day i was like right okay people keep talking about exercise and that it can be better than medication even so i really want to get off the medication which i i am off medication now but at the time so i went for a run and i literally ran you know 100 meters up the road and back and i it didn't make me feel good i struggled i got back and we, even on that day i thought has that even done anything what a waste of time like is that but i'd started you know so the next day or the next week or whatever it was i was like well i know i can do that so i'll go a bit further and now you know i'm talking years later now but now say say 5 6 years later i'll go out for a run two or three times a week and i it never even enters my head if i'm going to not finish the 4 mile route that i do mm-hmm. i just go for a run and i run 4 miles and then similarly about 6 months ago i started swimming and it was terrifying like it's supposed to be fun but i started swimming lengths of um local swimming pool and um when i first got in the pool i went in the slow lane it's three lanes everyone in the slow lane was like over 80 <laughs> and like within 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 one length i was like okay i need to be in the middle lane okay even i know i need to be in the middle lane but i'm going in the middle lane and everyone in there was doing breaststroke and i was really slow and i was like i'm getting in people's way i just had to keep stopping at the end of each length to let these like people pass me um but my ultimate goal was to was i was watching these people in the fast lane and i was watching these people doing front crawl and just doing these tumble turns and just up and back up and back and thinking i ain't ever getting there and i'm not there now interesting so it's so interesting so your thought lane. was i'm not going to get there versus i want to be there my thought was i want to be there but i'm never going to get to that 
to what they look like. But in the last six or seven weeks, I've moved myself into the fast lane. Excellent. And for the first time ever, not um, not without stopping, but for the first time ever, about three weeks ago, I did 40 lengths front crawl. Whereas previously I was doing some backstroke, some front crawl, slowing everyone down. Uh-huh. And slowly, slowly, I'm stopping thinking I'm getting in everyone's way. And I'm just planning on when to let them past. You know, like, and like everyone's going to be fast or slow. And I'm sure there are some people that think I'm one of the faster ones. You know, like... So, it, but, but to get in the pool on that first day was, you know, it was really terrifying. I found it really, really challenging. So, again, to cut a short story long, <laughs> you have to start. You don't get, you don't get there. So I, and you should, I mean, you know, you should see my thighs now. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm looking it's a at metaphor you for life. Thinking, it's a metaphor for life, though, right? Yeah, my you know, thighs, my thighs are a metaphor for life. I tell you, hard as rock. My thighs are a metaphor um, for life. That's a, a soundbite <laughs> in itself. No, but it's interesting because all the things you're saying to date come from, from my perspective, listening to you, a position of unconscious uncertainty, conscious certainty, unconscious certainty. You didn't know what to do. You thought, "Oh, how am I going to do this?" you were conscious about thinking how to do it, but you were still a bit sort of like, we were not too sure I'm in the middle lane now, but oh, I really want to be with those guys or those people over there. And now you're just swimming. Uh, and yeah. it reminds have you seen the film? Um, it's a, one of these Pixar animations and Pixar are great for pulling on the heartstrings, whether it's for Finding Nemo or um, Finding Dory. But the latest one they, they, um, they aired, I think it was towards the end of last year, or the beginning of this year. Let me get this right now. It was... Um, I think it was called Soul. Have you heard of this or seen seen this? No, um, no. It's um, it's about a um, a musician, um, a black musician in an area of New York, and he has aspirations. He's always had aspirations to play in a jazz band, and a real sort of high end jazz band that all the players are fully respected. However, in his years of life, and as he grows up, he ends up just being a not just, but he ends up being a music teacher. So he teaches these young kids who don't really care about playing. Um, one of his students invites him to play at a jazz club. And one of the jazz singers is someone he's idolized for many, many years. As you're watching, he's really excited to actually go and actually play at the jazz club. And on his way there, he falls down a manhole and dies. And it's an animation. Um, and then what is left is his soul. And his soul is just a, a, a globule uh, that's played um, and interacts as his soul. And one of the um, quotes within the film, and I, I hope I don't bastardise it, but it's along the lines of uh, a fish was swimming around and someone, a big fish comes to the fish and says, where's the ocean? And then obviously you're in it. So no, this isn't the ocean, this is a pond. And he says, no, no, this is the ocean. I'm searching for, uh, you know, I think on the lines of he was searching for something bigger, even though mm. he was in the pond. Um, and I was just liking to how you were um, you know, starting off in the slow lane, seeing those guys in the fast lane, thinking, well, I'll never be one of those guys in the fast lane, all those people in the fast lane. Yet when you were in the fast lane and doing your 40 lengths, did you think, oh, wow, hey, I'm now in the fast lane, or were you just, were you just swimming? Well, where I'd like to... <laughs> The reality is I'm still think. 
Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. But the reality is that that it's um, you know, hap- I suppose the happiness comes from being happy where you are. Where you are is yeah. where you are. You know, like it. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. I am yeah, just full of cliches today. But like, if you get to that ocean, if I get to being one of those guys that's just diving in and swimming forty lengths nonstop, you know, and overtaking people, and then that'll just be where I am then. It doesn't, mm-hmm. the, the, the key to it for me is being able to reflect. Um, so to be able to reflect back after a week, a month, six months and go, wow, look at where I was and look at where I am in something that, you know, swimming's never been a strong suit of mine. So to be, to be able to now, you know, I'm now, I now take my kids to teach, I'm teaching them to swim, which uh-huh. is in my own mind still is hilarious that I am teaching someone to swim. But then I'm like, well, no, I go swimming twice a week and I'm, I can do it. So why not? Um, but I never would have had that confidence, but you don't develop the confidence without doing it. You have so to do the my thing interest. even if you do it at some level. Yeah. So it's interesting because what was piquing my interest then is that seemingly there is now a part of you that is, I've never done that thing I know now that by, even though I've not done that thing, I know I can start it, not be great at it, but end up being able to do it. And that seems to be, from just listening to yeah. you, it seems to be that you've you set yourself challenges or go, oh, I've never swum before. I'm going to learn to swim. I've never died before. And is that a pattern now you're, you're seeing yourself now and that you, you see these things yeah. that you can now overcome because you know by just starting, you can actually then get better. And, and, it, and it's deliberate. Yeah. And it's deliberate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, now, now it's become very deliberate. So, so now there are other, you know, there are other aspects of life that you can look at and go, well, okay, I've achieved this. Um, it's a bit like, have you heard, have you heard about your reticular activating system? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, our guests if they haven't, Chris, I was going to say, you might have to help me out here, Tim, but like, um, but, but essentially, um, if like in your peripheral vision in the room that you're sitting in, you know, you could kind of say, just say to yourself, you like, just literally stare at a spot on the wall. And then see so people listening to this can do it. Stare at a, a fictional spot on the wall and then just like think brown. And like, I can see three things in my room without moving my eyes that come, that pop out that are brown. And then I might go red and I'm like, okay, now these red things pop out. You, you know, your, your brain is wired to look for the, the things that you focus on. And actually the same thing happens with your intentions around things. So if your intention is to go and look for things that are going to make you have a really shitty day, you're going to have a really shitty day mm-hmm. because you, you cause you can walk out the door and be like, Oh, I missed the bus. You know, I just missed the bus or I, you know, or I've tripped over that or I've, but if you, cause if you're, if you're in a mindset is that is looking for stuff to then, then your, your brain, your, your unconscious mind will naturally look for those things. Whereas if you go out and you look for good things, I suppose what I'm saying is at the end of the day, you might look back. And if you, if you're, if you're looking at negative, you go, I missed the bus and then this happened and then this happened. Whereas if you look for the positive things, you will find them, you know, and the more you can kind of set the intention when you get up to go and do something that you can be positive about, mm-hmm. it's amazing the things that you start noticing. Is that your, is that your understanding or did I very much so. that? <laughs> in a Very much so. Yeah, very much so, Chris. So have you found yourself now 
opens the opportunity. You, you see things now, almost matrix-esque. You know, you see things now that others would not. You see opportunities, you see people with an, with an open mind. Yeah, and I and I I have I have I was going to say stopped. I've stopped myself there, saying it because I haven't stopped entirely. But I am trying to put the brakes on limiting what I'm what I believe that I can achieve. You know, I think why why were you doing that before? There are things. Why was I doing it? I think again because of those patterns. There's a Got big it. key piece of information, I suppose, that I haven't shared with you. That is the that is the ultimate um key to the lock here which is that i started studying neurolinguistic programming and uh, and that's made an enormous difference to my life and the way that um that i process my own thoughts and the way that it has helped me communicate with other people better and to build rapport with people better and to and to actually see that you can change your thought processes so something would happen i don't know i would um let's say i had to deliver a presentation and my my immediate thought is fear and what if what if, what and all that i could have a thousand things that could go wrong whereas if you can program you you know if you can actually think slightly differently and think well what are all what if i skip on to like 30 seconds after the presentation's finished you know the standing ovations die down <laughs> and then you know you get you put yourself into that mindset and you go well, yeah what if what if i absolutely nail it you know what if i absolutely nail it and it goes really really well well that's a much nicer place to be beforehand than thinking of all the things that could go wrong and if you do mm -hmm. think about all those things that could go wrong your brain is thinking, your subconscious becomes aware of those things, and then they really can go wrong. You know, don't don't call Tim Tom. Don't call mm. Tim Tom. Don't call Tim. T right, oh, that's that question, Tom. Ah, yeah. bollocks. Sure. Like, whereas yeah, if sure. you just, if you're not, you know, like you don't, uh, you just, you know, what's your name again? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> like if you make, that, that's how it can work, though. Is mm. you you if you program your unconscious to think of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and you are essentially, your conscious mind is the captain of the ship, you know, so consciously you can start thinking about things um, in, a, in a different way. Yeah. So you've now, and I, I, I bow down to your superiority when it comes to this, uh, and again, let me look at my notes here, Two, 200 and what episodes? Since oh, 214 yeah, 214 episodes. 214 yeah. episodes. Good grief. So episode one versus 214. Biggest learning to date. Um, I think, I think it is that, um, I think that's that you're in, you have a level of control over your life. I think that when I first started doing the podcast, um, I mean, learning about the actual podcast itself is the the art of conversation, you know, like have, being able to communicate with people from all sorts of different backgrounds. And I don't know what you're thinking right now, but, you know, as you can imagine, in the course of 214 episodes, sometimes it's like it can be like getting blood out of a stone. You think, oh, I've got the I've, I've really picked the wrong guest here. You know, or this is really, really boring. I mean, people might be switching this off now, listening to me. But, but you know, you can, 
you can think, okay, I, and it's your responsibility as the host to coax that along and to try. And my whole, the whole premise for me is to make, is to be, for it to be lighthearted and for it to be mm-hmm. quite good fun for mm-hmm. people to listen to. Mm-hmm. So my learning in terms of the actual podcast has been around that yeah. art of conversation and about actually challenging people because actually you don't always agree with everything everyone says and you and the one thing that i think is um is very powerful for as from a a podcast host is to trust them and to understand you might not agree with all of their opinions but to know that they're telling you the truth that's what they believe Mm -hmm. so so i try to do that and that's helped me in my um personal and professional life as well and certainly talking to a camera or into a microphone you know is um is not something that i'd ever really done before and now if i'm you know we live in, in teams land now don't we I, in my job I'm on teams calls all the time but i was quite ready for it by the time i started you know with, with the pandemic because i'd been mm. doing it for so long on the podcast right sure now and i think just taking those those steps i think yeah um are really key um i'm going to get into the the formalities of the show chris if i may um but i'm intrigued really i'm intrigued to get your response to this because you are a, a learned podcast peer professional um and because you've had so many guests who've been able to give you their insights you've been able to learn from your guests and and from your own admission be able to become a better person if you like um what does kindness mean to you? It's a, it's an interesting question, you know, and, and I knew it was coming. But kindness to me is about, I don't want to give like a, a stock answer, but kindness is all about compassion and it's all about understanding and, and, it's, and generally it's about generosity and giving to other people. Um, I think if you're, you asked me earlier on, Tim, if the, you know, what are some of the things I've learned the most through speaking to lots of different people? And it's not even just that, it's through my own learning on, I was trying to stay away from the word journey, but online my like path. And it's that some of the time, some of the things that I've benefited from the most are when I've been, when I was acting selflessly and being generous to other people and so kindness to me is it kind of goes hand in hand with that generosity but it's an absolute blessing when you realize that you get as much out of that as the person you're giving to and when you speak to people who say um you know you might speak to people who are into buddhism or um and or or even just spirituality in general say and they'll say i'm here to serve you know that's my that's my role here or that's why i'm what i'm here for and i've never really it's never really clicked with me that i never really got it but when i start and i'm not a spiritual person in that sense i'm not a, a buddhist but when i started really pushing to help other people because i just thought it might be a good thing to do I was overwhelmed by the amount of good stuff that that came up within me. So to me, the kindness is about that kind of generosity of spirit and, uh, and is about giving. So when was the last time you were kind, based on the, uh, 
the way in which you've described it? Um, so, um, I mean, the biggest example of it, I don't know about it being like the last time that I was kind. In fact, I can tell you about the last time I was kind. It was yesterday. Um, I had a phone call with someone, like a, a work colleague who I barely know. And we ended up talking for about 45 minutes about relationship breakdowns and about um, be it like parenting young children. And the colleague I was speaking to um, was like quite emotional and then and very, very grateful at how I hadn't been um, judgmental of some of the things that she'd shared with me. Um, and I didn't even think about it as being an act of kindness or a, it, for me, it was a conversation, but I, and it was a very rewarding conversation and I learned a lot. Um, but this morning I got an email from this colleague thanking me for this. Like I say, this just, she was like, I really needed that conversation with someone. And she phoned me, we, we were supposed to be talking about something completely different, um, about how to improve the lives of children in Leeds. Um, but that something just clicked really early on in the conversation. One of us said something and then, you know, that's what it turned into. And I think that that kind of kindness, I suppose, is it's just about recognizing that in people and being like, okay, X can wait. Let's let's think. Let's, let's focus on this for a minute. Mm. Um, yeah, does that make sense? It does. I, I always feel complicit um, in so much that if I walk past, I think I said this before in other episodes. If I walk past a situation that I know requires my attention or ability to be kind or from your perspective, to hold a mental conversation. I feel guilty if I don't now. And so... Mm, interesting. If I... I don't know what example would be. If you saw someone struggling with their shopping, for example, I now feel I have to go over and ask, do you need any help? Because I know <laughs> if... Hi, Tim Balls of Welcome to the Kindness. If I... If I'm saying you know, that yeah, yeah, I yeah. am that person, how can I not walk the walk and talk the talk? I and know. I want yeah, you yeah, to I get that. Yeah, I, I like with with the podcast and with being like the the healthy minds guy at the council that I work at, you know, for for a number of years. That's that was it. People, oh, well, I know that guy from Healthy Minds. Um, you know what it meant what it meant was actually there was this like waves upon waves of people that would reach out to me to, well, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with, and I'd be like, Oh, uh, I'm not a counselor. <laughs> like I've <laughs> arranged the session, you know, yes, I've booked yes, a room yeah. and I'll, and I stand at the front and, and welcome everyone. And, sure. and then I kind of, you know, but you know, so it's quite, it was quite, um, alarming that to begin with. And now kind of like, like I said, now, I'll get some weird and wonderful people reaching out to me. You know, some guy from America just reached out to me and said, uh, you know, I've listened to your podcast. I'd really like to come on as a guest. I'd blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, 
<laughs> like right. you know, why yeah. not? Yeah. Um, so you so you you kind of you attract it, I suppose, don't you? And so you're saying that about kindness. That's yeah, that's hilarious that you like, now feel like. Can I tell you a funny story Please about do. kindness? I I um oh, I was absolutely obsessed with um, O2 priority, like the the, <laughs> the mobile phone thing. They give you all these free things, right? right. This is about two or three years ago. And they used to have this Cafe Nero Mondays where you got a free Cafe Nero drink. And um, and one day I was on my way to the train station and I realized I hadn't had my Cafe Nero drink. So I went, so I went, I didn't want one, but I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll go in, I'll get it, and I'll give it to a homeless person. Like there's plenty of people between here and the train station. So I went in and I had the very surreal experience of wondering what, a homeless person might have as their order from Cafe Nero. So I went for a hot chocolate um, and at large, got the hot chocolate, walked outside, walked straight over to this homeless guy, handed it to him and he went, bloody hell, I got three of them now. <laughs> <laughs> the drink of choice. For, I was like, uh, I was like wow. And then, but, but I was like, I, but I bet you they're all O2 priority customers. <laughs> like it's not people who've gone and bought it themselves why did but you that, think um, like, yeah, why want a hot chocolate well i was thinking about the caffeine intake i was like maybe that's not a good idea uh, it, was, it was hilarious this internal conversation i had with myself and i thought hot chocolate standard cream no marshmallows you know that's what, I, that's what, that's what I went for do you know i, I suppose maybe you <laughs> frame it you know if i was homeless what would i like uh, kind of conversations, but uh, yeah, no, it is interesting how. And you were framing it that way. I had some similar situation when I when I lived in London, whereby I it wasn't I wasn't in that particular scene myself, but I saw a scene whereby I saw an individual, saw someone who was homeless. They told this individual to wait there, and I'm watching this scene as if I'm watching a movie. And I saw the individual tell this individual who was homeless to to wait there, and it was in the concourse of uh, Waterloo Station, I think it was it, and. He goes into, uh, I think it was W.H. Smith at the time, and buys one of those, you know, the meal deal packs. I think he gets a sandwich, some crisps, and a drink. Yeah. He's gone over. He's given the bag to this homeless individual. Felt really happy about himself. I'm watching this scene. As I see the individual who's given the gift, sort of, let's say, disappear into the crowd, I then pan back, as you imagine a movie, panning back to the homeless person. Homeless person looks at all the things, and drops them on the floor. And I was like, oh, no, no, this is not how the movie's supposed to be. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's just a bit of shit. Yeah. No, that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. Absolutely. Um, and I just felt two things. One, this individual hopefully was feeling good that he'd done something. That, hey, you know, that's just me. I've, I've, I saw someone or I saw a situation. I felt that I wanted to be able to give this individual something. But then you sort of you pan out of that scene and then you see this individual who clearly had their own challenges and issues disregard that, the, the gesture. Um, and so me looking at the scene, I was, you know, I was, I was hurt on both sides, hurt and disappointed, yeah, you know, hurt at one scene, you know, sort of like kind of joyful at the movie shot where someone's helping this individual, yet yeah, disappointed that the... Uh, individual just disregarded the uh, the gift yeah um not some story but just it just it popped into my mind that's all yeah yeah um, absolutely yeah not good um chris uh, second question of the of the formalized bit of the show um 
and perhaps it's one in which you can really relate to, obviously touching on the earlier points about, you know, you thinking about your life and, and questioning whether or not you should, you should keep it. Um, and the second question being, you know, if you were to die tomorrow, what would you do differently to be the kindest in the room? Now, I'd like, if you wouldn't mind, if you could frame that with Chris now and Chris then. So what would so so what would I do differently in my life if you were to die tomorrow I mean the way I am now um I feel like there are things that I've not done so you know I'd I'd front load those a bit um a bit more um and I mean things like um I've had it inside me for some time now about um i think i think a lot of people think they could be a children's author but i have some really like vivid ideas about children's books that that i have put some uh, on paper um but i've never kind of pushed to have them published and again it's a bit a little bit like the podcast it's not even that i'm i would be trying to be a um professional author i just think people would like them you know i think i just want like some people to enjoy them the other thing is um the freedom that i'm starting to experience now through learning that i can change some of the negative patterns that i get into um i would do that way way earlier you know some of the things that i talk to younger people you know nieces nephews um mm. Uh, I used to line manage a bunch of graduates, people from, um, you know, on a graduate scheme in the council. Um, and I would try and pass on these things to them. And I wish that I, you know, I would definitely have done those things earlier, such as learning about neurolinguistic programming and the way that you can actually program your brain to, to, to act differently for you. If that's not too <laughs> odd an answer. Mm. No, no, it makes sense. And so, and, and you in the state that you were in, could you frame it around that way? Or was your mind a case of, no, it's, it's too much going on. I, I see the world as, as negative. And therefore, if I was to, if today was to be my last day, then, then so be it. Was that your sort of framework then? Yeah, it's a good, good yeah, it's a good question. Because I, I, to me, it would have, if something had happened to me, it would have been like a sweet relief at that time. With, you know, when you, when you go back, way back when and it's not and it's not um it was only like like i say it was a period where it really got that bad um of, of months rather than years or anything like that but but the anxiety has um has always been something and that's plagued me and i just feel like even now although i think growing up i think it's harder for children to grow up now with social media and all of the the, the the kind of hazards and challenges that come with that so i think you know in some respects i had it easy um growing up when i did but um equally there wasn't anywhere near the amount of support um you know like i developed a bold patch when i was eight that, that was due to my anxiety but i don't remember ever having a conversation with a teacher or a counselor or a, about what i might be able to do about it it was just oh that's an anxious kid he's he's got a, a bald patch and then you know through stress or so 
I, so if so in terms of changing things you know if i had a magic wand it would be that it would be mm -hmm. that someone could sit me down and say i know it seems really hard to understand but you don't you don't have to think like this and and also the ultimate thing you know you are not your thoughts they're just thoughts that's not who you are um mm. so just that learning and having that explained to me i think would have been would have been incredibly powerful and i know it's only a really relatively minor thing in someone's life but the swimming analogy that i talked to you about it's really powerful for me to see how i can change over a six month period something that i felt so weak at and so you do start going huh what could i do in other areas mm. um and i think if i'd had more self-belief um when i was younger then i'd be a very different person now um and if it were my last day then i would have you know i would have left a better a more lasting legacy had i had a developed because i do believe i've got some talents you know to share with the world um so i'm i'm thankful that i'm in a position now where i'm developing that confidence to to shout a little bit louder about them has the confidence come through that self-learning yeah 100 percent. it's it's through it is through that you know i know it's the title of a of a self-help book but it's feel the fear and do it anyway you know it is you you do not you do not expand your comfort zone by waiting until you've got the courage to do the thing you're scared of. So, you do so the true. thing you're scared of, and then your comfort zone expands. So when you said about the goldfish bowl and the pond and the ocean, it's like, well, don't try and get to the ocean immediately. But, you know, you can, ex you can push it a little bit. You can just push it a little bit, and then a little bit more the next day or the next week or the next month and in a mm -hmm. year's time you look back and go whoa was that even a problem that that bit sure and the fear the, the scary bit is this was one of the best bits of learning i've ever done i hated this because i thought i'd misread the book because it says one thing i need to tell you this is uh, dr susan jeffers she says um the fear will never go away and I was like, oh, my book says never. It shouldn't say never in there. I've spent six quid on this. <laughs> I, want, I want the fear to go away. It's the whole bloody point. Like, and But what she says is, she goes on to describe that the fear will just get transferred onto the next thing you're trying to achieve. Interesting. The, you know, the fear will go away. It will evaporate from that initial fear. So me getting in the slow lane at the swimming pool, I didn't even think about it. I wouldn't even think about that now and but at one point that was where the fear was my fear now has moved on to something else so get comfortable with the fact that you're going to live with that kind of uncertainty but but also get used to the fact that you're going to grow develop and be a better person um, yeah. and be proud of that you know have that pride love that love that it reminds me of um see i don't know if you're a fan of or have seen um martial arts like jiu-jitsu or, or any of the eastern philosophy i can't martial believe arts. you just said that i oh, can't really? believe Why? you just said that because that just well, I was gonna, something... because i was yeah yeah because i'm sorry to interrupt you but I, I nearly said it out loud i nearly said it out loud for the first time ever when i was talking about the swimming and talking mm -hmm. about how empowering it was i nearly i actually opened my mouth to say and i'm actually going to start going to jiu-jitsu because I've always wanted to do it and I've never had the I've never had the courage to do it and I've I know what day I'm going to try it I know where I'm going I've emailed the guy and 
but I'm absolutely terrified. And yeah, I'm, but I'm like, point, no, yeah. this is going to be the same thing of swimming. Give it a year, and I'll be like, wow, these are all my mates. I know a few things. I feel more confident. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can defend myself, sure. etc. Anyway, no, very sorry, much so. no, no, no. I would, I would say that the, the the Gracie family is, was one huge school of a style of, of jiu-jitsu that is now sort of rolling across the world. And there, there are many other martial arts, but the point I was talking about in terms of what you were touching on is that, that the ability to be free and still in the uncomfortableness to be in that hold or that chokehold is they say, well, uh, you know, like don't, uh, when you struggle and tense up, guess what? That's when you pass out. Whereas if you like Tai Chi in essence, if you, I'm trying to think of a quote now, one of, one of my favorite martial artists, uh, Bruce Lee, and you may or may not have heard this quote um, for those listening. It was the idea of when water is poured into a glass, it becomes the glass. Be like water, my friend. Mm. And the idea that you have to be fluid and, and use the example of you know, being comfortable swimming and not knowing something. And I think that's, Again, another metaphor for life, you know, being still, yeah, being at absolutely. one, being uncomfortable. And I would say, you know, when we have this conversation in, you know, a year's time, I say, God, Tim, you never guess what? Oh, wow, I've, I've gone for my, I don't know if jiu-jitsu goes for belts or not, but I'm, you know, I'm now in a competition, et cetera, or doing that. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's one I've, um, I've done many martial arts over the years, but jiu-jitsu is one I've shied away from, been scared of, don't like being hit, don't want to get hurt, all the things that, probably yeah. from what you said just just do it <laughs> you know i remember doing um briefly i remember doing um a white collar boxing match and i thought at the time oh no i'll just learn to um excuse my boxing analogy uh, lack of brain uh, duck and weave bob and weave i think that's the expression yeah, yeah and me yeah, basically yeah. not get hit and my trainer at times said tim you, you're going to get hit so the sooner you <laughs> realize you're going to get hit the better and I did get hit. And when I realized it, it was like, oh my God, wow. But I, I knew that feeling, that kind of like hunted jaw feeling, which is not great. Yeah. But then it sort of like almost snapped me into this kind of reality of like, okay, this is where I am. I'm in the ring now. Um, yeah, yeah. But in doing so, I was suddenly, I was suddenly aware of the motion, the, the stillness, but yet the speed of the interactions as well. And I think a lot of the martial arts have that element about it and so for me like you with jiu-jitsu it's it's the fear of not knowing oh yeah but what if i'm not good enough what if someone I'm better and what if I, oh, i'm not too sure but to your point and this is one thing i'd say for those people listening and listen to what chris has said is that just start but have the framework yeah. and the mindset to just start and that and then even if you think oh i don't know i'm not too sure just start and by starting well, they said, they and then going into it yeah there's a thing just if i can just like tell you this very briefly i literally learned this yesterday um about something called um um the dickens theory it's an nlp type thing and it basically is about scrooge and it says you know just just in very basic terms it talks about you have two paths in front of you and it can take you and the the left path is the path that you're on right now so you, you don't change anything. And say it's about dieting and an eating habit and say you're putting on weight, just as an example. And the right path, you know, is, what you, is where you want to go. It's what you want your life to be. So you just take a quick look at the left path and you kind of, you skip on five years and you think, right, what am I going to look like if I keep eating like this and not exercising like this in five years' time? And you go, whoa, that's who I'm going to be. Then you skip on another five years. And then another five years, and then you're not here because you've died of heart disease or whatever. 
you know and and it's this and it's a really powerful thing to look at and go hmm maybe i don't want that that uh, French fancy, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe I'll have a handful of um, peanuts instead or something. I don't know. Like, and that kind of. Some people find it very hard to move towards getting somewhere because you can't see it. It's, but actually, for me, moving away from something I don't want is a more powerful thing. And for me, that question of what is it that I don't want to happen you know, what do I not want to happen? And what I don't want to happen is I don't want to get to 55 and not have tried jujitsu. So guess what? You need to try jujitsu. You need to start. And if I go to one class, one, maybe not one, maybe if I go to three classes and I think it's not for me, it really hurts that, I'll, I'll know, okay, I didn't actually want to do that. But, but, you know, but, and the same thing with the swimming. It was like, just go, just, just start, just do mm -hmm. something. You know, whoever's listening to this now, just go run to the post box and back. <laughs> you know, like, um, give it a go. Yeah, no, totally. We are reaching normally sort of the, uh, the end of the show. And um, I've got, I, I think you and I would probably agree um, over a beer or a coffee, we could perhaps carry on these conversations for a, a very long time. But again, absolutely within yeah. the world of, um, you know, short attention spans. So we must, <laughs> we, we must respect our listeners who I'm sure are on the way to or from somewhere or back to feed the kids or whatever activity uh, they do whilst listening to our shows. Um, um, so I will, I will ask you um, the final question I ask, if I may, Chris, and, and that's what one piece of advice would you give someone to live a kinder life? I think that if I can do two, say two things very quickly, I think one, one is very specific. Um, if in terms of living a kind of life, the ultimate thing is to, is to kind of give to others and to, and for it, I don't even care if people do that selfishly, you know, I don't care if people's motives are selfish because they hear that me or you or anyone else has said, you actually get loads out of this, out of helping other people fine don't care if your motives are unholy and you're like well actually it makes me feel good so i'll do it still a good thing to do the second one that's very very specific is one of the one of the biggest life-changing things for me is something called the independent visitor scheme which is where uh, and i'm just going to plug it shamelessly um which is where you is a befriending scheme of a child who's um in care and i've been doing that for the last five and a half years now so the the child i was matched up with was seven when i met him and he's 12 now and it is the best thing i've done um certainly in terms of the kind of context of this podcast of talking about kindness i've learned way more um about myself um and about him obviously <laughs> in five years than i could ever have imagined and we've formed such a bond and such a friendship. Um, and there's not enough of them out there. Um, any child who's care in care, who's looked after, um, can, can ask to have an independent visitor. But there aren't enough people who volunteer to do it. Um, so there's like a waiting, you know, there's like a load of children who are waiting for people to take them out once a month. Um, you get a budget of 20 quid and you can go and you take them out and you can do something fun for like three or four hours and then you take them back again. Um, and in terms of the context of kindness, that's, it's a life changing thing for, for the, for me that does it and for him. Um, 
and you know it's a kind thing all around so just shameless plug to finish it off no no absolutely yeah plug away um, and with that being said talking about something new plugging away where can people um sort of reach out to you and, and find out a little bit more about your what you're doing whether it's on on the show or with your your work so um so my work not so much really because i'm kind of a behind the scenes type person um but like but but yeah essentially trying to help um outcomes for children young people in the fabulous city of leeds um but um i i am on social media but i it doesn't do it it doesn't do well for me you know and my own mental well-being so all so just type mental conversations into spotify itunes or any other kind of podcast place and i think the beauty of it again just another shameless plug is it's not uh contextual um much like your show doesn't you know you could pick out anyone individually um all the titles of the kind of themes that I've chosen or that the guests have chosen are all on the descriptions of the pod. So you could go to episode four and then you could go to episode 200. It's like, you don't have to listen to them in order. Um, whatever kind of takes your fancy. So yeah, mm. just, um, type mental conversations into those places. Um, and just for my own, um, uh, selfish reasons as well. Um, you know, when, when, um, you go to an interview and, You've gone to the interview and they're, so yes, Chris, tell me about what you want to do in five years' time and blah, blah, blah. Do you have any questions? I'm intrigued to know whether or not, if you had any questions for me. Well, you know, I, sh- I wished I'd said this at the beginning of the, of the show, really. Because when you, and when you said a few minutes ago about we could, I'm sure we could go for a beer and that, I was like, well, that is absolutely true, but um, it would have to be, I'd want to know more about you. So I've like, obviously you've interviewed me and I've answered a lot of questions. Um, I think your, for me, it's about your motivation is the question that comes to mind. I know, you know, we've had conversations before and, but I'd love to know what your motivation is behind this podcast. Great question. Yeah. Really good question, actually. Um, a little bit of fear. Uh, it's motivated by fear. It's motivated by loss. It's motivated by um, my want to find out answers to questions I perhaps don't know the answers to. Um, perhaps not specifically about kindness, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm framing it around kindness. Um, mm. My motivation for the show is based on uh, a conversation I had with my mother who I hope to have on the show. And, and she's someone who I look up to um, immensely, my idol, in fact. And as I am a parent now, I look on the world through my children's eyes as a parent, and I wonder and think what my parents thought when they were looking at me through their eyes. And now, as I see my parents getting older, and knowing that life is not infinite, I wanted to be able to capture moments. Because for me, uh, loss was a um, was an anchor. Was loss an anchor? Loss was a part of my. It wasn't an anchor, but it was certainly a, a trigger point for me, uh, having lost my father at an early age, uh, and then my sister. So the, those loss triggers for me, growing up, made me realise that life could be fleeting and 
I didn't want to take anything for granted. And so therefore, I wanted to be able to find out why. That was the first thing. Why, why do we lose people? Which led me to, I suppose, study psychology at university. And, and even now, I, I love to find out why. What's the driver behind people's motivations? And so for me, the idea of asking people questions about kindness, you kind of, kindness is the new mental health. Wow, is the new, and it's, it's not new. It's just now becoming more apparent that we all need to mm. do, do a bit more of it. Um, and so for me, the motivation is very simple. Cliche, to make the world a better place. Um, and if Mate. I can do that by learning about what the people say and frame that around a show, then, you know, great. You know, it's, uh, it's as simple as that. But yeah, a really good question, actually. And um, I, I sort of knew the answer in my head. And I'm sure you'll agree, once you then verbalise it, and make it real. It's like, ah, of yeah. course, that's that's that makes sense to me. Do you know? Um, do you know? Like, you know. Let let let's go for another shameless plug. Tim's going to be on my show. I'm going to ask him all about it. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so coming up on this thing. Listen to mental conversations. Um, exactly. The, yeah. <laughs> you're coming on. I'm gonna then we'll we'll have more of a conversation where I'm asking you things and we'll get some some real insight instead of. Oh ah, gosh. But you wow. know, there's a, the other thing. The other thing, though, Tim, that you you know that you 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 hit on just there that was really touching and uh, and it really resonated with me. One of the reasons I do mental conversations is that whereas previously, and again, not harping on about it, but you know, I may have chosen to leave the world. Now, I'm nowhere near that mindset. But if something happened to me, I absolutely love the peace of mind it gives me that my poor children have got 200 odd <laughs> episodes <laughs> of daddy talking bollocks to people, like to really inspirational people, and that they'll get such a sense of, you know, I honestly shout out the older version of my children a ridiculous amount on, on that show i'm always saying isla if you're 18 and you're listening to this daddy loves you but you're an absolute nightmare as an eight-year-old like, oh interesting <laughs> interesting because i just love it and you love that same thing the the idea you know and you know uh, hopefully like i say touch wood we'll still be around for it but i yes. love the idea that my kids even if i'm still around will in 15 years time go I loved listening to dad when he was 45. He was such wow. an idiot. Look at him now, <laughs> doddering around. But yes. listen to him then, you know. Oh, and, and I just love that, that there's going to yeah. be a record for all of time, you know. Oh, I love that. Yeah, the world we live in. Chris, you have been the kindest in the room. It's been a pleasure. It really Thank has. So I, I don't know what you were expecting, but it has been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to come on to your show. Uh, Mental Conversations, everybody. A great title and, and even a better podcast. So, so certainly, um, as Chris mentioned earlier on, you know, go to any um, sort of streaming platform or, or music platform and, and, and type that in and, and listen to his shows. I envy the number um, and look forward to sort of like creeping up to uh, you know, the 30s and the 50s and the 100s, etc. And I'm sure you have those kind of milestones yourself. But, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, buddy. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Cheers.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.